Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show, across the nation from Atlanta, Georgia. The phone number, if you want to be on the show, 877-973-7425. We're going to move on to even more controversial topics than energy now. Domestic energy production. Oh my gosh. It has just blown up in Florida. I need to begin by making note of something. Some of you won't like this. I'm trying to just give it to you straight here. There are a lot of people who live in urban areas who are surrounded by like-minded people who do not know people who disagree with them. And it becomes very easy to believe certain things when you don't know anyone who disagrees with you. On top of that, a lot of the people who live in those urban areas who are progressive, they are single. They don't have to raise kids. They don't have to worry about kids. They have hypotheticals about the way it works to have kids. And no one can disprove them because they don't have kids. Screen time. You know, when my wife and I had no kids, like they're never getting cell phones, then we're never putting them in front of a screen. You got kids? Well, we we waited a very long time to give our oldest a cell phone. But as far as screen time, we're like, hey, we we gotta we gotta have a conversation. Put the kid in front of a screen so they'll shut up so we can have a conversation. It, it becomes an easy way to uh, entertain your children where you can get other work done. And when you have kids, you realize a lot of the things you very dogmatically assured yourself you as a parent would never do. You wind up doing when you have kids. I see people all the time. Well, you know, uh, you shouldn't travel with your child. Sometimes you have to travel with your child. I had to travel with my daughter when she was six months old by myself on a plane. The passengers were all very, very willing to help. I saw a reporter the other day who was infuriated by a man who was passing out candy on a plane as a preemptive apology in case his child acted up. And all the passengers loved it, except for this reporter with a blue check mark who is childless. It's funny how that stuff works. Now, on top of that, there's another layer to this. Reporters tend to lean to the left, particularly uh, at the national stage. They tend to be, the younger reporters in particular, they're, they don't have kids. They are progressive in their worldview, and they believe in advocacy, not reporting. When all of that combines, you have a media that is very willing to advance a progressive agenda without really paying attention to the underlying facts. And they believe the world can operate in a way that uh, most of the world doesn't want. And in fact, uh, they as progressives can believe more and more that the world operates in ways that progressives like that the rest of the world doesn't want and is in fact deeply offended by. Which leads me to the Florida legislation, House Bill 1557. That is about education in schools. 
The bill is actually called Parental Rights and Education Act. The Parental Rights and Education Act. The media is using the left-wing moniker, don't say gay bill. The don't say gay bill. I am old enough to remember during the debates over Obamacare, the media was very angry with conservatives for saying the word Obamacare because it's the Affordable Care Act. How dare you try to say it's Obamacare or the Death Panel Act? My gosh, did they go crazy when Sarah Palin said death panels. The media wanted truth and fair. They wanted accuracy. Well, actually, House Bill 1557 is called the Parental Rights and Education Act. But the media has decided to call it the Don't Say Gay Act, which is uh, what the left has given to this piece of legislation. Can I tell you what's in the so-called Don't Say Gay Act? Can I tell you? What it is, is a piece of legislation that applies to kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and third grade. That's it. It applies to kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and third grade. And all it says is you're not going to be teaching children about sex, sexuality, gender identity, and sexual orientation in those grades. That's not actually the entirety of the legislation. It says as well that parents should have to know about the curriculum. It says as well that if a school wants to collaborate with a child who's transitioning, they can't do it without the parent's knowledge. It requires school districts notify parents of health care services in schools and authorizes parents to stop schools from doing things to their kids the parents don't want. If the kid wants to be taking uh, hormone-suppressing drugs at school against the parent's will, the school can't give the kid the hormone-suppressing drugs. But in particular, in particular, the reason they call this the Don't Say Gay Bill on the left is because it prohibits classroom discussions about sexual orientation and, and gender identity in kindergarten through third grade. Does anyone think that kids need to learn about gay sex, heterosexual sex, or boys becoming girls or girls becoming boys in kindergarten? Really? I, I would love to talk to someone who thinks that we should be teaching kindergartners how to have sex because that's what the bill prohibits. Now, why? Because the left always says, well, none of this stuff actually happens. None of this really exists. And yet, we continue to see examples of it happening. Here in Cobb County, Georgia, a PE teacher in an elementary school on Valentine's Day decided to show very young elementary school kids a video on same-sex attraction for Valentine's Day. 
They said this stuff didn't happen, and when it did happen, oh, the Cobb County school system got very defensive. I heard from all sorts of, we just, we like to explain to you how things like this can happen, and and we just, this is how parents might be involved. As you know, PE teacher shows a video at a school to young elementary school kids about two boys who are in love with each other. Some of the kids go home and have questions about what they saw. The parents are completely oblivious and caught off guard. And the school system wants to make the parents the bad guys or get defensive and mad at me for explaining what happened. Who except progressives thinks this is good? Y'all, I, I just, again, this is the piece of legislation in Florida doesn't prohibit kids from learning about same-sex attraction. It does not prevent teachers from teaching children about heterosexual and homosexual sex. It doesn't prevent discussions about transitioning and what it means to be transgendered. Unless you're in kindergarten, first, second, or third grade. The reporters seem to think that this is terrible. The reporters, this reporter in particular, is a young reporter, a 20-something, and does not like that kindergartners won't be learning about sexual identity and gender identity and sexual orientation. And I want you to listen to this exchange with Ron DeSantis because the reporter actually thinks that he won the exchange. He was so proud of himself, he posted it on social media. Listen to this. Does it say that in the bill? Does it say that in the bill? I'm asking you to tell me what's in the bill because you are pushing false narratives. It doesn't matter what critics say. Hold on. It says advanced classroom instruction on sexual identity and gender orientation. For who? For for grades pre-K through three. So five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds. And um, the idea that you wouldn't be honest about that and tell people what it actually says it's why people don't trust people like you because you peddle false narratives. And so we just have to answer that narrative. We want to make sure that parents are able to send their kid to kindergarten without having some of this stuff injected into their school curriculum. We are a nation right now where fifth, five and six and seven year olds have fallen behind on reading where their communication skills have been collapsed because the very same experts who think it's okay to teach kindergartners how to have sex think that it was perfectly fine to put them behind masks for a year. Why should we listen to those experts? And now we have kids who are behind. We have kids who are behind on speech skills. We have kids who are behind on reading skills. We have kids who are behind in general on all sorts of skills. And uh, these people are upset that they can't talk about sexual orientation in kindergarten when they should be learning how to read and write. That, that, that's essentially what the argument boils down to. The media itself has grabbed hold of this piece of legislation and called it the Don't Say Gay Bill. It says no such thing in the legislation. The legislation does not say that. What it says is that if you're in pre-K through third grade, instruction on sexual identity and gender orientation 
is prohibited. You got to focus on reading, writing, and arithmetic instead. You can start doing the sexual identity and gender orientation stuff in fourth grade, but the parents need to know you're going to do it and have the right to opt out. That's what the legislation says. But you never get that fair hearing from the media. Why? Because the media is so far over on the left. The president of the United States, Joe Biden, is requesting Congress allocate $2.6 billion to promote gender equity worldwide. $2.6 billion to promote gender equity around the world as part of his budget proposal. Americans are having a hard time buying bread at the grocery store. Don't have money to fill up their car with gas. When they go to the grocery store, a lot of stuff is empty. They're having a hard time getting jobs, holding jobs, finding employees. And the Biden administration wants to spend $2.6 billion on gender equity globally, not just in the United States. And the left's big concern is that in Florida, they're considering a piece of legislation that would say you've actually got to teach kindergartners how to read, write, and do math, not how to perform sex acts. They're upset about that. And they've mislabeled and lied about the legislation because they think that you should turn kindergarten into an outlet for the groomers of the world to lure kindergartners to some demented worldview and teach them all about sex instead of about reading and writing arithmetic. And again, it is very notable and very much worth pointing out. As much as the left says this stuff is not true, it's happening. It's happened here in Georgia in an elementary school. And they want to deny it. Now, I got to ask you, who do you think voters are going to side with? The progressive activists who think that kindergartners need to be indoctrinated on sex and the Biden administration who thinks we need $2.6 billion to promote gender equity or the Republicans who say you've actually got to teach basic skills to kids and also drill more oil to lower gas prices. Uh, Who do you think the voters are going to go with? Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Let's go to the phones. Leslie, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hi, Leslie. Hello? Hi, it's Eric. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me. Um, So I wanted to call in because I know you had been talking about the fact that schools deny that uh, this is being taught in the schools or pushed in the schools. And we've had experience with this um, in Gwinnett County Schools. My, and this has been a long time in the making. So this has been happening in the background for many, many years. He is now 13, and this started happening for us in first grade, so about six years ago. Um, he started coming home and saying that there was a little girl in his class that had two mommies. And it was constantly being brought up by this little girl. And so we were kind of forced into the position where we had to have this discussion with him at seven years old. And it was important for me to have this discussion with him at that age because I wanted to get ahead of what I knew that he was going to be learning and hearing from his liberal teachers and their liberal ideology in school. So we explained to him what that meant. 
Um, we are, our background is Christian, and so we follow God's word on what he says about homosexuality. And we taught him, you know, that God says that that's not okay. We are to love them, but we are not to embrace that or accept that lifestyle. And so he went back to school and he said, um, God says you got that it's not okay to have two mommies, that it's not, that it's not okay to have two daddies either. To which the teacher replied, it is okay, it's law, and started to talk to them about that. He was then called down to the counselor's office later that day, and they called me and had this discussion with me, and he was forced to take a uh, sensitivity, how to talk sensitively to others class for like three days. He was pulled out of class, classroom time, to go and attend this class. And I pushed back on this hardcore because, it, he does. That's our religious belief, and where is the protection for our re- religious beliefs that that's not okay? And to put him in a, he doesn't need sensitivity training class. He needs to be allowed to state his opinion without pushback from the teacher or from the school. And so that was the year that we pulled him out mid first grade year and put him in a private school. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of people don't have the resources right. to do that, and it's a real shame because in the public school sector, we had zero say-so over what was being um, taught to him. And we had to move him to a private school where they will listen to you because you're paying for his education right. there. Um, so it has been happening, whether they want to deny it or not. It's just I think now it's been brought more into the light, but it's been going on for years. Yeah, it has. Look, Leslie, I appreciate the phone call. And, and you know, I, I, I got to say, um, for for people who are Christians, uh, I, I think a lot of churches could do a better job on, on how do you uh, maintain your beliefs without also coming across as a biblical donkey to people who increasingly disagree. Because increasingly in the world these days, uh, people of faith are in the minority. So how do you relate to those with a worldview different from yours uh, believe you're right uh, without also coming across as a jerk. Uh, and I'm not saying, Leslie, that your kid was. I'm saying in, in general, uh, we, we got to navigate these things as a society where we all live together. And uh, unfortunately, I think the public schools are only going to get worse and worse and worse over time. Uh, and and there's going to be more of an imposition of secular values on people of faith. And by the way, those that secularism is, in my view, a religion. And, and how do we accommodate each other? And I don't know that there actually is an answer to that. Um, the best thing we could do is have churches start schools to allow the kids of faith to come to those schools, even if they can't afford it, and give them the religious education that they so badly need that they're not going to get in the public school. Howdy. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, I have not yet been to see the new Batman movie, but I intend to go see it, and I'll tell you how it is. I'm getting emails from people asking what I thought. I haven't been. I I think it's time to venture out to the theater and see it. I I wasn't going to do this, but but I think I need to. If you're just tuning in, Leslie called in in the last segment. Was talking about her her child being in school. Uh, is a is an elementary school student. Has a is someone else in the elementary school. Has two moms. And her son said that's not the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to have a mom and a dad. And and the school made her son go to sensitivity training. Um. I. Well, let, let me begin here. I used to have very dogmatic views on the issue. 
And it's easy to have dogmatic views on the issue when you live in parts of the country uh, where you're not going to encounter people in those situations. But as more and more people are uh, in same-sex households and they're adopting kids, you're more likely over time to run into it. I ran into my first they-them yesterday at a Starbucks. Uh, And she's very clearly a girl. She's clearly going through something. Uh, and so I feel a little bit of empathy that clearly this is someone who's going through something that they feel like they can't identify as themselves and, and now must identify as they, them instead of she, her very, very, I mean, clearly people who are willing to, uh, go through surgery to alter their bodies, to conform to what's in their head are clearly going through something and there should be a level of compassion. It doesn't mean that we should elevate them to what they aren't. But I'm not sure that uh, churches in particular in the country have yet come up with an idea or a pathway for people of faith to navigate secular culture in a way uh, that doesn't make them come across sounding like jerks. Because here's the reality. Um, I've got friends of mine who are gay. And... I know a gay couple, they're not friends of mine, but I know a gay couple that's adopted uh, kids from an orphanage in China. And now the question is, would you rather these children stay in the orphanage in China or have a a loving two-parent household in this country who happen to be of the same sex? And my preference is uh, God bless them for willing to rescue these kids from the horrible conditions of the Chinese orphanage. So how do you navigate that issue? Because I believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. The Bible tells me that. That's the design. The Bible tells me uh, what is and is not sin. That's my worldview. But I live in a secular world, not a biblical world. I live in a in a secular world, not a Christian world. So how do I, as a Christian, navigate this stuff? And I, I think churches probably need to spend more time dealing with that. And, and we are not a church here. We're a news talk program, and we're not going to. But I will just tell you this, uh, if a majority of voters in a state elect a representative government and on behalf of those people says, we don't think kindergartners need to learn about this stuff, then respect that too. If you live in a state where four-year-olds are going to learn about uh, two moms and two dads and sex and all of that, that's fine. I don't agree with it. I don't want to live there. I don't want to subject my kids to it. But you too should respect me and my ability to live in a state that doesn't conform to that. There's this thing called federalism. And our founders thought it was a great idea that in a, a small nation that they saw great potential for expanding, that uh, people could live in different states And no state could impose its values on another state, but each state could have values. And you know, up until the early 1900s, states could have state religions. It was only in the early 1900s that the Supreme Court applied the First Amendment to the states through the 14th Amendment and the incorporation doctrine. Uh, See, prior to the incorporation doctrine, so the 14th Amendment says what it says about uh, people and rights. But uh, no one ever thought to apply the, the Bill of Rights to the states. Until the early 1900s, 
the Supreme Court decided actually what the 14th Amendment means is to apply the Bill of Rights to the states. So prior to the early 1900s, if a state wanted to make Catholicism the state religion, could, or Baptists. A lot of states had close ties to the Baptist Church of the South. Maryland had close ties to the Catholic Church. And everybody kind of did their own thing. And if you wanted to live in Maryland because you're a Catholic, go live in Maryland, be Catholic. If you wanted to live in Georgia and be tied to the Baptist Church, live in Georgia, be tied to the Baptist Church. Get preferential treatment, tax treatment, and, and the like. Well, it all changed when the Supreme Court applied the First Amendment to the states. But prior to the early 1900s, it was completely different. And people just respected each other's differences. And you had mobility. Travel was a right guaranteed by the Constitution under the Ninth Amendment. And people could pack up and move. Nowadays, everybody wants to impose their values on everyone else. And in particular, in a progressive, increasingly secular America, it is now the progressive secular left that wants to impose their values on everyone else. The problem, however, for them is that most people are, are rejecting it. And just as in the past, social conservative religious people probably overplayed their hand more than once in things. And now there's a backlash. At this point, a lot of Americans are looking at the backlash that's coming from the left. And they're more willing to side with the churches and the conservatives on these issues. Consider this, Christopher Rufo has this story. There are women running a sexy summer camp for children in rural Kentucky. The lessons will be on sex liberation, gender exploration, BDSM, being a sex worker, self-managed abortion, and sexual activity while using licit and illicit drugs. That's what they will be teaching at a sex camp for children. The leader of the camp believes that children should begin to, well, I don't want to use that word, self-pleasure themselves. How about that? Children should begin to self-pleasure themselves as toddlers. This is her quote. Self-sexual release is really healthy, and I recommend to people of all ages, all ages, as soon as my nephews could talk, they were doing that. As part of the Sexy Summer Camp Self-Pleasure Workshop, instructors promised to give a hands-on lesson simulating self-pleasure on students' hands. Yes. The founder of the Sexy Summer Camp, Tanya Turner, identifies as a witch. She says she was raised by a host of witchy women in a coven-like mountain matriarchy. She uses tarot cards, crystals, and sex toys as part of her practice and encourages people to join her coven. Yes. Yes. Oh, and yes, they are all women of a certain look. Yes. Yes, they are. Let's just say if you're going to find the attractive people, you will not find them at this camp. Now, Chris Rufo has this story. We, we've had him on, on, the, um, on the program before. But here's the thing. I, I'm going to tell you something controversial. Now, if, if, if the people are of age, it's their choice. The problem here is that um, the Sexy Sex Ed Summer Camp advertises itself as all ages and all bodies. And you can find it promoted in Yes Magazine and CNN. Yeah, 
Yes. And um, they want people of all ages to come learn about this stuff. And I'm trying to look and see, is there an age limit or a a beginner age? Because they say all ages. Oh, my. Um, they, they got some, Ooh, I'm, Ooh, this is yikes. Those are some scary looking people. Ooh, yikes. Yikes. Ooh, wow. If that one's a Wiccan, she's probably got a broomstick for sure. Golly. Holy moly. Wow. Um, okay. So. That dude's never going to be able to go through a metal detector. My goodness gracious. Uh, this is bizarre. Um, so anyway, that's what they want the kids to go to. And it is. I'm looking. It, it appears to be for all ages. Now, I'm going to offer a controversial opinion. I don't want my children to even know such a thing exists. But there are some people who will want their children to go to this. Who am I? Who am I to stop them? Well, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking this one crosses the line of maybe the state needs to get involved and oversee this sort of thing because this is something because I'm looking at the pictures and it's, it's mostly girls. Have you always noticed it's mostly white girls? Rarely is it the boys who want to go to this thing. It's 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 the white girls who want to go to this. It's it's the parents sending their white girls to these sorts of things. Um and that's really telling in and of itself. So I I I don't I don't I'm well off the beaten path now from all of this. Uh we should move on, but I'm just saying Chris Rufo Rufo exposed this stuff. And this is for kids of all ages to go learn this stuff at a summer camp in Kentucky. And I don't want my kids to know anything about it. I'd far rather my kids go to church camp. But there are people in this country who will who will send their kids to this thing. Not a lot, but some. And a lot of them, I, I honestly, I, I this will come across terribly to these people. But when you're identifying yourself as someone who's raised in a in a coven-like matriarchy on a mountaintop where you learn witchcraft, uh, clearly something bad has happened in your life. Clearly, and you may decide that this is a good thing, but uh, normal people in normal society are not raised uh, by witches on a mountaintop and learning uh, mysticism and crystals. And so there must have been a terrible thing that happened. And we should we should remember to have some empathy for these people who've probably gone through some real stuff. But also, we don't need to normalize it. And that, I think, is probably the 21st century's biggest problem, is that anything uh, that can be done is mandated to be done. And anything that, that should be done, the government's got to, or that can be done, the government's got to pay for it. And the rest of us have to normalize it. Uh, Gertrude Himmelfarb is a, um, a Bill Crystal's mom, actually. Y'all know Bill Crystal; it's her mom, and she has a great quote: "Evil preaches dominance until it's uh, no, no. I'm sorry; it's it's Archbishop Chaput who came up with this one: 
Evil preaches tolerance until it's dominant, and then it seeks to silence good. That's Archbishop Chaput. Uh, Gertrude Himmelfarb uh, talked about how um, what is, is deviant becomes normal. Uh, the left-wing attitude is what is deviant becomes normal, and what is normal becomes bad. And that's where we are in our society. Uh, normal things are now considered bad or passe. And we have a bunch of these people who have risen up and embraced this idea. But here's, here's the problem. Let me bring it all home now. Believe, you would never know I'm a professional here. Let me bring this home to you. We have a real class and culture divide in the United States. And there are a lot of people who think that your kids should be able to go to the mountains and learn from the Wiccans how to sexually self-pleasure themselves with sex toys as a five-year-old. Those people probably should go to jail, but they're not going to go to jail because the Biden administration is filled up with people who think this stuff is fine. The problem is those people think the rest of us should not only embrace their ideas, but impose them on our own kids. What they don't realize is that they are in the minority. And much of the class and cultural warfare we see today are being advanced by these people who, because they are surrounded by like-minded souls, have thought, oh, everyone must think this. And what we're seeing happen in this country right now is a massive voter realignment of upper-income white people who've lost Jesus, who don't believe him, and they've decided the Wiccans are A-OK. And the working and middle-class black and Hispanic voters who are joining the rest of us who realize this stuff is kind of nuts. And so these people become culturally dominant among the elite and in the media and they think it's a-okay and we can say that parents should be forced to teach their kids this stuff and if a state wants to say no it's the don't be gay bill we can mischaracterize it and meanwhile they're okay shipping their kids off to be trained on sexual toys by wiccans and think the rest of us are nuts for not wanting to do it the problem is there are more of us than there are of them and there's an election coming in november and there will be hell to pay for them and you know what when they lose They'll blame the bigots. Hello there, it's Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. You know, this kind of gets to, the, this story gets to what I'm talking about here. The Just the double standards and the hypocrisy of all of it. Uh, Ayanna Presley, she's one of the Democrats in Congress. She's a member of the squad. She has pushed repeatedly to defund the police. Well, she has spent a lot of your money on private security. Newly released statement of disbursements of the House. The Daily Caller reported in April 2021, Presley and members of the squad spent thousands of campaign funds on private security. According to the new statement of disbursements of the House of Representatives records, Presley spent $63,000 of her member representational allowance on security services. She spent $28,000 between October and December of 2021, $35,000 between May and August of 2021. The payment show the money was directly directed to Alyssa Tatarian, who's a financial administrator at the U.S. House of Representatives. It's not clear how that money was finally spent. The Daily Caller contacted Tatarian and Presley's office several times about the money that was spent on security services. None of them responded. A GOP source says a financial administrator handles disbursements and reimbursements for members of Congress. Therefore, it's unlikely Presley actually paid Tatarian for administrative services, but rather listed her name due to the process. In other words, you've got all of these people out there on the left who want to defund police in your neighborhood, but they have the luxury 
of spending someone else's money on their own security. This really reminds me of that op-ed the other day. I should go back to it on, on the, the luxury of beliefs, rich people's luxury of beliefs. They get to have all of these beliefs that if you had them and, and you exercise those beliefs, you go broke. They get to say defund the police while using your tax dollars for private security. It, it really is just absurd. I mean, they get to tell you to go buy your electric vehicle. They're not going to pay for it, mind you, but they want you to go buy an electric vehicle. None of it makes actual sense. Now, when we come back, I, I risk angering some people. <laughs> Story of my life. Bill Barr was Donald Trump's attorney general. And Bill Barr has written a scathing tell-all book about his time in the Trump administration and characterizes Donald Trump very poorly. Not a big fan. Now, you should remember, let's not revise history here, uh, when he was hired and for the longest time, Bill Barr was treated as a hero of the Trump administration by Trump supporters. It was only when Bill Barr disputed the stolen election nonsense that suddenly the president's supporters turned on him. Otherwise, he had been the hero of the administration going after the left the way the left goes after other people. He's a very smart man who is the attorney general for George H.W. Bush and for Donald Trump. He's written a book. The left, however, it's them who are spitting mad today because Bill Barr was asked in 2024 if Donald Trump is the Republican nominee, will you vote for him? And he said he would. We need to meditate on that for a moment when we come back because I don't think this is appreciated enough by people why people would say something like this. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building. Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.